0: Thanks
1: for, yeah, thanks for having me guys. Great month again.
0: So uh, give us give us the uh, high points on the waves and then we'll dive into the report and really get uh, into the depth of it, because it's a terrific report.
1: Right. So we we pretty much met expectations, you know, within within, you know, 10 basis points, give or take. So uh, pretty much, as it were, the economists thought that we would be and it's very strong. So. halfway through uh, Q4, we're above 61. And uh, seasonality factors do play a part, but not that significant. What What I really liked is that it's a very high quality report, meaning that the sub elements that make up that 61, although the number is almost the same as it was in October, the sub elements are different, and they're moving in the right direction towards equilibrium. And, you know, by that, what I mean is that, We've had a demand driven supply constraint expansion since we climbed out of the COVID issue last year. And the supply base uh, inventory levels, supplier deliveries have been holding back output and to the point where the numbers have been pretty significant, well, very significant, supported by price indexes that have been very high. And what I've been looking for and hoping for is that uh, those numbers would ease a little bit, supplier deliveries, maybe somewhat inventories, uh, offset by growth on the production and employment side. The employment number has been the weakest of the five sub-indexes, uh, and it should be at this kind of demand level and backlog and low customer inventories, we should be running 62 to 63 on the employment level. We haven't gotten anywhere near that. So, but in this month, it, we had about a 3.5 point shift gain in the consumption slash output side, offset by about the same loss on the supplier delivery and inventory side. So. I think we're moving in a—it's a higher quality PMI than it was in October. Uh, it it uh, gives me more assurances that we're going to move into 2022 in a very good way. Uh, and th- there's a lot here, so let's uh, let's stop there and and chat a little bit.
2: Well, it looks as though you know, talking about customer inventories, it looks like it really took a major dive at uh, 6.6, which uh, does make for good new orders. Uh, coming yeah. down the pike
1: empty shelves lots of empty shelves i mean you've gone into the grocery stores i mentioned this before it's the same thing as you go into the grocery store and you see a whole bunch of empty shelves so uh, we're near records again and i think it's the 16th month of below 40 which uh, you know proper customer inventory number is probably 46 48 and we've been well below that And it probably indicates that it's going to be two or three months once demand eases you know, in the 53, 55 level, there's probably two to three months worth of output just to fill those shelves. And at present, you know, we're not filling the shelves. So we did have a little bit of easing on the backlog side, not significant 1.7 points. We're still above 60, which I feel real good about. Um, So, you know, between the two of those, we've got, even if the, even if demand phased out and wound down at the end of Q1, Q2, there's still three, four months worth of uh, heavy output here to to burn off the backlog and, and uh, fill the shelves?
2: Well, we at All Metals and Forge Group experienced over the last two, three months, uh, a significant increase in our sales and in our backlog. Uh, and I, I love seeing backlog at the numbers that they're in now, uh, which will take care of the uh, Q1 shipping uh, for uh, 2022. So, you know, we're, we're looking pretty good the way things
1: are right now yeah i mean that's a sleep at night number correct you know yeah. when the backlog inside it's a sleep at night number it makes you feel good. it gives you confidence that you're going to have money to pay the payroll and everything so in, in the month of october we saw a softening on the demand side that was the first softening that we've really seen in quite some time and uh the, the analysis my analysis indicated that what's probably happening here is there's a little bit of a pause lead times are near records i think modern record on capex in the month of november we're still at record levels on raw material. Prices were still extremely high and business plans were being approved and solidified for 2022. So I think the, the supply community kind of did a pause to try to come up with a strategy for, okay, what, what are these lead times? What, the price, what are the price levels? Do I really believe that these price levels are gonna be this high at the point in time that that stuff gets delivered to me? Do I wanna really take that risk? And I think we saw that pause in, in October. Uh, but now here, now the things are approved, people are filling up their uh, their order book, and uh, and we're off and running. Uh, one thing I'd like to point out for this
2: December first uh, is that it looks like December, which is not typically a, a terrific uh, booking month for uh, raw materials, is that it looks like it's going to be a terrific month for raw materials, because uh, we're already uh, at the gate, and a couple of a couple of horses and ponies have already started jumping through and ready to take off. They're trying to spend all that budget money before the end of the month. So that's a lot of what we're hearing from uh, manufacturers that they got to get rid of money.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. You know, I think the, the 2021 is pretty much behind us now. Uh, really, what people, uh, manufacturing people, are managing to most likely at this point is cash. So you know they're probably looking very closely at the amount of manufacturing inventory, finished goods, work in process, raw material that they have. Uh, they now have a plan, a cash flow plan for 2022 approved. So I don't think it's really so much output focus for them for December, right, and right. I think people want to get off to a good start in uh, 2022 because that's going to be a different performance period. Love well, it, um, Tim. Let's talk about inputs
0: and outputs. That's uh, that's a uh, area of the report that you kind of reorganize it makes a great deal of sense
1: yeah i've, I've got my slides you guys want me to show the slides Sure, yeah.
0: that'd be terrific
1: all right hold on let's see if i can get these up all right tell me when they come through you're there all right okay so here's the here's the uh what we call the speedometer let me so i can see the right hand side does it say november on the right hand side yes it does okay good so, you know, for your listeners and watchers and, and readers, we're in the sixth manufacturing expansion cycle since uh, 2000. And uh, let me get my pointer up here. So, we had the China super cycle way back here. Then, we had the subprime mortgage cycle that bumped it back up. We had the climb out from the recession. We had the cycle that uh, didn't really enhance employment wages. And then, we had the uh, uh, mid 2016. Growth cycle that started with Obama and continued through the Trump administration, juiced by the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, the highest quality uh, expansion cycle that we'd had in the the prior 20 years, and now we're into this post-COVID expansion cycle. So we're running well over 60 here. You can see we hit a record. I think this is probably back in the spring, and you know we're still north of 60, which is super good. You can see in that last high-quality expansion cycle, there's only a you know maybe five or six points here that uh, we're over 60, we've easily uh, achieved that here. So, uh, you know, really strong performance. And uh, for your listeners, again, if you look at the averages here, they run about 35 months from 50 to 50, from uh, the sign of an expansion to going back into contraction. Uh, And we're only 18 months into this. Now, this is an odd expansion cycle, just like the seasonal factors are being challenged with this as, as Lou mentioned, December is generally a, a wind down month. Uh, you know, close it out, catch your catch, cash, and move on. But we still have a lot of people trying to move product through. And uh, and and this whole thing with the, the delta variant and how it sagged some things, we didn't really see it in the PMI, but you know, you you heard it across the economy where things kind of slowed down and sped up. The whole seasonality factor now is gonna be a real challenge, I think, for the for the statisticians to kind of figure it out but whatever if you accept the fact that we're going to be living with variants here for the next three to five years which I think uh, you know common sense kind of says that we probably are then the seasonal factors are are if they if they're being impacted by the variance they'll show that in the future too so this is a really high performance uh, the, the walk away from this is we're 17 18 months into a typical 35 month cycle we got another year and a half to go which gets us into 2023 this I is the Oh, I heard
2: one of the, one of the uh, doctors at John Hopkins who said with regards to the uh, COVID is that we may wind up going through the whole Greek alphabet. So uh, that could go on for a while.
1: Almost like a bad hurricane season. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that I doubt that. And then you know the biggest risk to manufacturing really is we've been saying from the beginning of this, we, you know we, we talked about this back in June of 2020 that the biggest risk is really the, uh, the foreign supply chain. At that time, I think we were mostly concerned about Mexico and, and look at what the foreign, you know, the foreign supply chain has done to us since then. And, I mean, Malaysia is really the, the best example, recent example of that, where it took the whole chip industry down for two to three months because of the packaging activity that they do over there and how seriously of an impact that had on all kinds of different product. I mean, the transportation equipment sector is our weakest sector and of the big six, it's still expanding, but pretty weakly. And that's our number three business sector. I mean, it's it's, it's and it's dragging us down, it's dragging us back. And it's primarily, you know, if people want cars, tons of people want cars, they just can't get them. So if that, you know, if we could really free up transportation equipment, uh, you'd see this PMI perform even better because it's, it's actually holding us back, unfortunately. But, okay, so let's talk about, um, let's talk about the inputs outputs. Let me get this out of the way, so. I can, okay, good. All right, so hey, look, the right-hand side kind of says it all. We had 10 to one positive comments to uh, to not so positive. Uh, that's very. That's a very good number, up from four and a half to one. So the optimism in November actually improved compared to October. Uh, but in any event, both of them were very optimistic. I mean, even, even this one, almost five people to one feeling really good about demand in the future. That's what this sentiment uh, category tries to capture. We had an 18 to one hire to, far, to uh, force manage ratio. That is, we had 18 companies looking to hire for every one that was trying to uh, manage headcount through freezes, attritions, or layoffs. So that's you know, really strong. Uh, 22 to one, 18 to one, same, same thing. So still a bunch of people trying to hire. Um, my, my general comments indicate under, under my employment area, 51% of them said that uh, they were having difficulty. In the month of uh, October, 31%, but September, 47. So we're still having trouble. But I think the more important thing here, jump down to this, 7% noted that hiring activity was easier in November compared to October. In October, 5% said October was better than September. In September, 3% said that September was better than August and 0% said uh, August was better than uh, July. So there's a clear mark there I mean, it's not big differentiating, but it's a clear path towards something that indicates that people are having a little bit of an easier time hiring people. Now we also have the turnover issue, uh, you know, driven primarily by backfilling, driven by the workers' chase for uh, increased pay in the in the areas where they live in. So, 32 percent of the comments noted high levels of turnover. 29 points of that 32 were uh, were really backfills, which okay you, you need to hire two people to meet the demand and every time you hire the two you got one person who quits on you so you got this you got this never ending kind of cycle that's very difficult but the, the positive thing in this is that we did see a decrease in retirements so retirements have become a noteworthy trackable event in my employment comments back in the july time frame 4% of uh, the comments talked about retiring either retiring at, at the proper time or early retirements but you know that's nothing that you would expect to see somebody talk about so these are kind of like unplanned events 6% in august 8% in september and we're now down to 3% in november so i think that whole wave of people wanting to get out it might regenerate again if this uh, omicron kind of takes off that almost follows the the transition of the delta variant that you know people decide i'm not you know i'm i'm done i'm not going to take the risk we might see that number go up again in the first quarter. Uh, too early to tell. But I think for the month of November, though, it's positive that we don't have as many unplanned retirements because you guys know that when that happens, it's, it's painful because you lose a lot of knowledge. And uh, I don't care how well you do and write down work instructions, the tribal knowledge element is uh, kind of uh, overriding. So, and then, you know, as I noted here, we, we pretty much met estimate 60.3 was the uh, journal's estimate. We came in at 61.1. All right, so uh, here's the three splits: demand, inputs, and consumption. As I've said many times on the on the call here, the consumption is really uh, the result of either a, a need demand or an input or both. So, and as I said at the beginning, we've been really driven. The PMI has been not only driven by the new order number, which goes into the PMI, it's been very high, but we've had really high supplier delivery numbers. You can see back in October, seventy-five six. Uh, and in this case, we've, we've had uh, manufacturing inventories get to a 38-year record last month of 57. So 56.8, 57, I mean, it's about the same. So we're really at record uh, manufacturing inventories, which consists of raw material, which is probably the biggest piece. We've got a lot of companies taking more pieces, more quantity of pieces than they normally would because they don't want to have to go chase it again. And, but they're held up because they don't have the right piece to finish the product. You've got uh, growing work and process accounts because if you wanna absorb overhead, you gotta manufacture something. And a lot of companies are making a bunch of stuff, putting it aside and waiting for that one piece to show up. And then I think the best example here is what's happening in automotive where you've you've got factories intermittently shutting down. And when they do that, they won't let their suppliers ship. So you've got a growth in finished goods inventory too. So we're at a 38 year record here in in terms of raw material uh, manufacturing inventories. But you know what was, what's been sleeping here is really this consumption output number. Uh, good performance here in production, 61.5. With this kind of backlog, empty customer inventory, i.e. shelves empty. Uh, you know, we should be uh, new order levels running above 60. This production number should be 65, 66, maybe even higher. Uh, but the biggest sub-index has been dragging down the PMI has been the employment number. Uh, we made some progress in the month of November, 1.3 point gain. Uh, which is good, and it, it coincides with the, the notes I just provided 7% commenting about it being a little bit easier compared to 5% in October and so on. So so we had a shift here. You can see over here, uh, we had supplier deliveries was 3.4 points down, uh, manufacturing two-tenths down, so that's 3.6 points down. That would have been negative to the PMI, but it was really offset by the gain here in consumption, 2.2 and 1.3, so 3.5 point gain. So like i said and this is a much higher quality it's higher quality because the supplier delivery number is easing a little bit uh and the production and employment numbers are gaining in strength all supported by the fact that demand is still exceptionally good and very comforting so that Lou can sleep very easily knowing that he's got the backlog
0: love the backlog (laughs) jim i'm just curious about customer inventories at 25.1 is part of that being driven by ships offshore, goods not moving by trucks, they really just can't get what they need?
1: Well, um, yeah, I'm sure that that's contributing, no doubt about it. Uh, I don't think it's so much that, uh, well, I think demand is strong. Demand by itself in a normal supply chain, would probably, with the strength of the demand that we have right now, would probably be driving that customer inventory level down. Uh, you know, Think 40, 42, you know, maybe 38. But at the level that we're sitting at now, 25.1. I mean, that's, that's a combination of demand being really hot and the supply community not being able to deliver. That's, uh, that's kind of the result of it, is that there's empty shelves. The supply
2: chain uh, issue, uh, which I, I brought up uh, last month, a website called marinetraffic.com uh, showed that there was a, roughly 100,000 ships out in the middle of, all the collective oceans. And uh, I said at that time that if you looked at the Suez Canal, you can't see any water. And it's amazing anything can get through. Last night on late night news, they reported that there is a ship stuck in the middle of the Suez Canal that has now jammed the canal where nothing is moving.
1: Again, it's happening again. Yeah, we had that last summer too, didn't we?
2: Yes, yes. Is
1: this a big ship? Must be if it's stuck in the big, canal.
2: Well, there was, the, the, the whole canal was filled, and yeah. now the ship is sideways and is blocking everything.
1: Oh, geez, here we go again. I would have thought they would have fo- solved that problem.
2: Uh, well,
1: probably too many tugs to pull too many boats, and they can't protect the ones that are there. Yeah, not enough tugs. Yeah. Need more tugs. That's probably in the backlog. <laughs> <laughs> so take a look at uh,
2: marinetraffic.com. You'll see how bad supply chain really is as compared to the way they talk about it on mainstream news.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's good. Let's so let's let's chat about that. Uh, you know I, I've been saying that the transportation sector is normally an enabler to resolve issues that crop up at the supply base or. At some level of the supply base, it's now become a hindrance because it's not only is it taking a lot longer, it's absolutely not reliable. And the the world has never been, especially in the ocean freight area, that has never been an area that is very transparent. So when you talk to a lot of CEOs, they say the same thing. The biggest problem here is we have no visibility. We can't really see what's going on. We don't know. So, you know, you tell a customer, I'm not going to ship it next week. And then the stuff shows up so that you can convert and ship it. And they they went, well, didn't you know that? Well, no, I can't. I can't tell because there's no transparency here. So, I, and I've been saying that when the transportation sector eases, then we know we're getting to a much better level of equilibrium. We're not there yet. So, in the supplier delivery area, which is where you, you would t- expect to see a lot of comments around transportation, 55% of the comments were around transportation. 47% in September, 37. I mean October, 37% in September. So it's continuing to get worse, but. I I think November was the peak. I I really think it was from an ocean freight standpoint, uh, not road, ocean freight, because it was a peak of the holiday season, October, November. But we're now into the uh, pre-Lunar New Year surge that will continue now until the middle of February. And then we're gonna have a three week break or so to kind of catch up on it all. So on the ocean freight side, supplier delivery comments, uh, month of October, 27% commenting about ocean freight problems. Month of November, 21%. So maybe a little bit of easing there. If you go back to June, it's 13%. So, you know, clearly a pattern here. Uh, but, you know, the, the, thing, the thing that I'm probably most concerned about now, been expecting that the, the, uh, the port issue will free up by the end of the first half. I think I said that in October, maybe in September. You know, it's, it's now, I didn't quite realize this, but apparently there's a, a longshoreman contract that expires on July 1st.
2: Of course there
1: is. (laughs) Yeah, and and how many times? How many times have we lived through longshoremen, ocean container negotiations that never really end well? Yeah, and so so now you got you got the longshoremen sitting in a pretty powerful position, trying to get concessions out before this thing kind of eases. So you you could easily argue, and I I don't know, in the last twenty years there's probably been two or three strikes on the West Coast. They're all in one bargaining group, all the West Coast ports. So uh, it's going to be interesting to watch that. I'm, I'm still hopeful that uh, that doesn't become a factor in throughput. I'm still hopeful that uh, end of February, March, we're going to see some of this backlog burn down so that we can get back to a, a normal flow of stuff. And, uh, and I'm particularly hopeful because I ordered a new desk and it's going to come in from overseas. It's probably stuck in the water somewhere.
2: So we all have to brush up on the Taft-Hartley Act. That uh, prevents unions from striking when it affects negatively affects our economy, our uh, security, and so on and so forth.
1: Didn't so that was used in the last twenty years. I recall that was used by one, of the, or maybe it was Nixon or something. I remember that that the, the the president issued a decree that said to get back to work. That's right. That's yeah. right. And I think it was the ports was ports yes it was yeah. it was la well it's the whole west coast because they're one big bargaining group but right. you know, ho- hopefully management will do the right thing too i mean it's let's hey these things aren't the, the cause of one side it's it's usually just both sides that, that disagree and can't come to a bargain that's what that's what bargaining is about right 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 well, well
0: tim it- if you'll uh uh get back to your regular screen so that we can see you uh, as you chat with our listeners. I just want you to give us kind of a summary of what it looks like for 2022. I realize it is um, excellent at the moment and it looks like we're at halfway through an expansion cycle. Um, And I don't know what that 61 number translates to in terms of GDP, but it's got to be good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. so. I think we've had a fantastic year. Um, Like I said, I think I was talking with someone earlier that uh, it's really just the automotive sector that's held us back. And and I think that, you know, manufacturing has been extremely resilient here and hats off to every supply management operations person out there fighting through these battles every day. Uh, There there is a piece of fatigue and uh, there's probably an element of numbness because you go to work every day, you expect, oh well, I'm not going to ship the product to you. Agree to a higher price, or sorry, I promise you, you're going to get ten of those tomorrow. I'm not. I don't even know when you're going to get them. And this is happening every day. So, uh, you know, I, I think that we can stick with it. When we will sit, stick with it, uh, there's no other choice. Uh, supply management people like what they do, uh, but this has been going on for a long time now. There's definitely a, a, a bit of fatigue and numbness happening, but. I'm, I'm hoping that things will kind of free up, primarily the chip issue uh, you know, sometime in the first half of next year. There's a lot of talk about whether it will carry through to 2023. Uh, like I've been saying, I think uh, we're not going to know the full story about 2022 until we get to February, March of next year. And we're into the performance period and, uh, and people are, are probably going to be a little bit more uh, optimistic than, you know, it's, it's hard to be optimistic today when every day you're having problems from the standpoint of revenue. So, you know the other thing is uh, you know this prices index has been very interesting because uh, what it really signifies is that uh, you've been able to push price through all the way up the supply chain. Our panel consists of uh, you know fundamental raw material companies, all the way to people who make finished goods. So if you get sixty five percent of the panelists saying that they're accepting that they're accepting higher prices, that means you're pushing price increases through. As we've been talking now for quite some time, we thought the Q3 would be a good uh, profitable performance period, and it was. And uh, we we're pretty optimistic that Q4 would be the same, meaning that everybody's taking the price pressure, passing it all the way through. And I think that'll be the case in Q4. Uh, and I think it will be in Q1 too, as long as demand stays where it is. Uh, you know, you heard, you heard uh, Chairman Powell yesterday about uh, eliminating the word transitory. Uh, I've, I've been asked about that several times today and the only example I really have is well, look, you know, the price of plastics are coming down. Will they get back to where they were? We'll see. Uh, with the price of natural gas being 450 right now, down from 550, that's a good thing. But it needs to get back to to 250 to three to get back to the plastics cost and chemicals cost that we were experiencing pre-pandemic. Uh, we you know the steel market really well. We're down to 1750. It's not budging much. We capped out at 2000 and it wouldn't go, wouldn't break that, that, uh, that barrier, but it's stuck now at 1750 to 1800 for several weeks. Uh, we'll see where that goes. I just don't, at this point without a, a major economic event, which I do not see or predict in the next two years, I don't see how you get back to 650, a short ton of, of a hot rolled steel
2: according to the federal reserve uh, i wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing interest rates go up
1: i think that's so uh, that put a shock through the system yesterday right I, yeah i know And yeah. there's more and more talk about it we'll see i mean the easing has started uh, i you know i tracked the uh, the asset purchases and I, I didn't see anything nothing significant I'm, the, I'm not sure if they've actually started to ease a bit, but I, I, they were supposed to by the end of November. The number I have is November 18th, and the balance sheet actually increased. So uh, I think the easing kind of means that they stop buying or they slow down the buying. They, right. they slow it down, and yeah. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, that's that's a, that's a shiver. That's a shiver with with all that money out there. I'm, I'm more concerned about the U.S. economy with a 20 28 trillion dollar deficit. It'll never be paid. <laughs> <laughs> not, not never a wide be. a i drive
2: It'll never be paid.
1: Well, we can only hope now it doesn't go up anymore. I mean...
2: Well, it depends on who's in, uh, in, in power.
1: I think they all decided that it doesn't really... I'm only here for eight years, so I might as well drive the deficit up. And that, that seems to be the thing. Give everybody, you know, give, hand this money out. Hand the money out. Whether it be the industry or whether it be the people, hand it out because I'm gonna be gone in eight years.
2: That's right. Print it and give it away. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what's happening.
1: I, I guess that's our full employment goal, right? Just hand the money out and everybody stays, continues to work until it turns into the Turkish lira. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: well, it. Tim, thank you for joining us. We appreciate and want our listeners to know that this information is at ismworld.org. That's the website you can go to. And while you're surfing around, visit us at jacketmediaco.com where you can find the other shows that you see behind Lou. Tim, again, thanks for being on Manufacturing Talk Radio.
1: You bet, guys. Thanks a lot. Talk to you next year. No, uh, no we're no, going to see each other. No, no, no. Yeah, I got it. It's going to do the forecast.
0: To, we All actually right. have a great show coming up with Tim and Anthony Nieves on December 13th. That is going to be the their semi-annual forecast update. Yeah, tons of great information. Don't miss that episode.
1: Yeah, great. That's a, it's a great for We're going to look at what happened in 21, and we're going to, more importantly, predict what's going to happen in 22. Thanks everybody. Take care now.
0: Okay, Tim, what do we got coming up? (laughs) Great report. I'm looking forward to the semi-annual forecast from the ISM. This has been uh, a vastly improved year over 2020. We'll see what 2022 begins to look like. Absolutely. And uh... If uh, if backlog
2: has anything to do with it, <laughs> I know that Q1 is going to be uh, very good. So um, I'm all excited about that. I may even get myself a, a brighter yellow jacket.
0: Yeah, there you go. And for those of you listening to the show, get your orders in at allmetalsandforgegroup.com. You heard all the supply chain issues. There are bumps in the road. So order early order often. Okay,
2: that that looks like a wrap. Tim, we'll we'll talk uh, in about two weeks. You got it. Thanks, Lou. All right, take care. Take care, everyone. Thank you for joining us.